Welcome to the Cornerstones of Healthy Food Systems, sharing reflections on the environmental, agricultural, social, and nutritional factors that form the foundation of healthy food systems and healthy economies. Now your host, Dr. Mary Lucero. Welcome to episode 12. I want to talk with you today about the microbial economy and greenhouse gas mitigation. What do we mean by the microbial economy? Well, basically, I'm talking about the exchange of nutrients, the exchange of waste products, the reconversion of waste products that goes into keeping a microbial community strong, viable, and healthy. The amazing thing about this microbial economy is that it works not only to support food systems all over the planet, but it also works to mitigate greenhouse gases. You see, microorganisms that live in the soil and in the water and all around us have always worked to mitigate what you might think of as environmental homeostasis. Homeostasis is the process that keeps a body working at the right temperature. It keeps our heart beating at the right pace. Homeostasis also works throughout the environment. It keeps the rains falling when they need to fall. It keeps the temperature within a reasonable range. And we're seeing this homeostasis go wonkers right now. We're seeing drought where we don't normally have drought. We're seeing heat where it's not normally so warm. We're seeing storms grow. We're seeing forest fires. And many people around the globe are in a bit of a panic about what's happening to our climate. Now, there are multiple causes for what we're labeling now as climate change. Some of these causes are natural, but many of them are man-made. And a solution to the problem that I think is underexplored and underutilized involves actions that promote healthy, balanced microbial communities in the environment. You see, microbes have been keeping our environment clean for a long, long time. It's believed that when the Earth formed 4 billion years ago, it was a toxic wasteland. The atmosphere was full of ammonium nitrate, carbon dioxide, methane, all these nasty greenhouse gases. You clearly could not breathe on Earth 4 billion years ago. There were no plants or animals on the planet. But somewhere after that early formation a few microbes evolved that knew how to utilize these gases and turn them into things like carbohydrates or proteins that became food for other microorganisms. And so in a very short time, complex microbial communities arose that worked together to recycle these nutrients while detoxifying the wastes in the atmosphere and in the water and all around And as this microbial community evolved, we begin to see some really important bacteria that could carry out the reaction we know of today as photosynthesis. An article from Astrobiology in 2013 tells us about filament-like fossils found in rocks that are three and a half billion years old that are believed to have been early cyanobacteria. These are early photosynthetic bacteria. A similar article appears in Nature in August 31st of 2016, 
talks about ripples found in a 3.7 billion year old rock that match the structure of cyanobacterial communities. These and other studies support growing certainty that life on Earth, which is now thought to have begun about 4 billion years ago, had diversified enough in about half a million years to support the complex biochemical process we call photosynthesis. This process converts sunlight and the greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide, into food that every animal on the planet, ourselves included, relies on for food. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought photosynthesis required plants, keep in mind that plants acquired their photosynthetic capabilities about 1.7 billion years ago, meaning cyanobacteria had been carrying out photosynthesis for about 2 billion years. Now, the three points to keep in mind from all this discussion about early life on Earth are that First of all, microbial life on this planet is extremely old. It has outlived all of us by literally billions of years. Second, microbes and the plants and animals they support are the source of food and environmental remediation for all of us. And third, microbes actually consume greenhouse gases. Now, I gave the example of photosynthetic microbes that utilize carbon dioxide to make sugars. But there are many other microbial reactions that can transform other greenhouse gases. So if you remember that the global warming issues Earth suffered from 3.5 billion years ago was orders of magnitude higher than anything we're witnessing today, remember that it was microbes that cleaned that mess up. Now, as you let these thoughts settle, thoughts that microbes came first, microbes feed all other life, and microbes can clean our environment, you might find yourself asking, why aren't these microbes helping us now? And the fact is, they are. I guarantee you, without microbes on the planet, we would be in much worse shape than we are now. Most of us still have reasonably adequate food to eat, reasonably clean water to drink, and reasonably clean air to breathe. But too many of us do not. And what's more is that all of us are witnessing the threat of climate change and the threats of associated losses to our health and our food system. So the better question is, why are these microbes not doing enough? And one powerful answer to that question lies in the fact that we're living in an antibiotic culture. We apply an antibiotic mindset to most of our environmental and health management strategies. Far too many of us view microbes as the enemies. In healthcare, our doctors are finally holding back a little on the indiscriminate use of antibiotics but we still pay little attention to how the other medicines we use affect our microbiome. In agriculture, 
We use vast amounts of chemicals to spray our crops or dip our livestock and ask no questions at all about what those chemicals are doing to the long-term microbial health of our farm soils, our fields, and the surrounding ecosystems. We get so excited by the immediately visible effects that the chemicals produce, eliminating those pests or getting rid of weeds that we forget to look at what these chemicals are doing to our soil structure, to the microbial communities in our soil, or even to our profit margins. We might be growing more crops than Grandpa did, but we're also spending a lot more money on chemicals than Grandpa ever considered realistic. And when you consider how quickly we are losing farmers in this country, you have to ask yourself, What have we done that has made farming so unprofitable that young people don't want to pursue this profession? When you talk about regenerative or sustainable agriculture, you're seeing growing numbers of farmers, agronomists, crop specialists, and soil health advocates promoting the benefits of soil microbes for their ability to increase crop production increase the nutritional component of our crops, and increase the profitability of our farms. And the reason for this is that a healthy microbial population can perform every single activity that we apply chemicals to achieve. And best of all, the microbes do it for free. While healthy soil microbial communities are busy growing crops, They're also cleaning the air and the water around us, making our farms and gardens one of the strongest forces on the planet for combating climate change. Now, in recent years, there has been growing discussion about carbon credits and about carbon offsets and how we might motivate industries that naturally produce a lot of greenhouse gases to develop methods that are better for the environment. And one way to do this is by allowing those companies to reward industries that are restoring the environment. As carbon economies grow, people can get paid for planting trees, restoring waterways, and farming using environmentally friendly practices. But in the U.S., a system for calculating and paying farmers based on their greenhouse gas mitigation has not been well developed. The good news is there are a lot of efforts on the ground right now that are moving in that direction. And farmers who are practicing regenerative techniques that build soil health and sustain the microbial communities that are promoting crop growth in an environmentally friendly way, are positioning themselves to reap real financial benefits, not only by increasing their profit margins, but also by pulling in new income from carbon markets as carbon offset rules become better established. Now, consumers who are concerned about the environment or concerned about access to healthier food that's sprayed with fewer chemicals can actually accelerate this process 
by supporting farmers who are transitioning to regenerative techniques. If you'd like to know more about what microbes do to mitigate climate change risks, recycle nutrients, and remove toxic wastes, I've included a few basic references in the links beneath this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. You have been listening to the Cornerstones of Healthy Food Systems podcast. This podcast is produced by Endophyte Enterprises, LLC. You can subscribe to our podcast at endophyte.com or look for us on your favorite podcast directory. Information or products referenced in any episode can be found in the show notes associated with that episode. These notes may contain links to our online courses or services. They may also contain links to affiliate sites. Purchases made through these links help support our efforts to produce this podcast.